Well, the biggest games of the year call for the biggest episode of the year. Mitch, are you ready for coaches' interviews, expert analysis, all the good stuff heading into the state championship preview? Yeah, every week, every play has, has come down to this. So the campaign for champagne has reached its final stop, and let's, uh, let's get into it here. Talking Illinois high school football. If your goals are as high as you talk about, tonight's the night you go out and just take one more step. It's a view from the West. And it starts right now! Welcome back to View from the West podcast. I'm your host, Greg Armstrong, joined as always by Mitch Stormer. And Mitch, the campaign for champagne, did you make that up on the spot? That, that's genius. No, I wish I did. Those were uh, on our playoff shirts back in the day. So I'm sure it's, I'm sure it's used uh, around the state. It's a pretty catchy tagline now that they're, they're back in champagne. So uh, I'm sure that won't be the only time you see it. But yeah, I can't take credit for that. Well, Mitch, you're supposed to just say, yeah, I made that up right on the spot. I'm so smart that that's what happens, you know? Ah, yeah, I wish I wish I did. Somebody somebody much smarter than me and more creative than me did that. So, Mitch, we've been, we've been driving all year. We've been building up to this. It's state championship week. Here we go. Lena Winslow back in the Class 1A state title game against Camp Point Central. And I mentioned in the open, this is our biggest episode of the year. We're going to hear from both head coaches. From Rick Aaron, from Lena Winslow, we hear from head coach Brad Dixon from Camp Point Central, but we also are bringing in area experts. We're bringing in Kyle Campmeyer from NUICfootball.com. We're also bringing in Matt Shuckman from MuddyRiverSports.com. They have all the information on Camp Point Central and from Lena Winslow. So, Mitch, I mean, are, are you going to need to? Are you and I going to need to say anything in the in the end of the show here? No, I'm going to watch the end of Monday Night Football here and let the experts do all the talking. So uh, looking forward to hearing what they have to say, and uh, I'll take their word for it. That's for sure. All right. Well, before we jump into all that, let's hear from the coaches who walk the sidelines. And then following that, we'll jump right in and we'll talk, break down, analyze the game, the Class 1A game, and then we'll get into some bracket talk from 2A on up through the rest of the field. So let's get right into it. Well, I'm joined now by the head coach of the Lena Winslow Panthers, Rick Arend. The top-seeded Panthers set a perfect 13-0 and record. Coach, if you're talking to me this time of year, it means you're doing something right. We've talked the past several years, so I guess that's a good thing, huh? Yeah, I always look forward to, to seeing you this time of year. <laughs> well, Coach, there's, there's once... Been a, there's been a lot of years where you ignore me. Well, no, that's not... I don't know if that's true. <laughs> well, I have, we had... There's no reason... You've given us no reason to ignore you since about 2010, and that... Kind of leads into my first question. What impresses me most about this program is just the consistency, right? Five state titles since 2010, 24 and two playoff records since 2016. What is it about this program that, that you guys keep it at a high level year in and year out? Uh, yeah, I don't know how high a level we're at all the time, but um, I think we just try to remain consistent. Um, I think probably the biggest factor involved with that has, has been two things. Um, I think number one, our strength and speed program over the past 10 to 12 to 15 years has been um, constantly evolving. I think we try to get better in that every year. Um, 
And I think we've managed to do that. I think we've managed to stay kind of ahead of the norm. Um, our kids know what's expected of them. They, you know, we have very few kids that ever miss a strength and speed uh, day workout. Um, when they do miss, they want to make sure they make them up. Uh, we bribe them with real expensive gifts like a crappy $5 t-shirt and stuff like that. So, <laughs> you know, they want to make sure they miss that 6 a.m. or they make that, make up that 6 a.m. workout so they get that t-shirt, you know, at the end of the summer. Um, and then I think the, the second thing, and not necessarily in either order, one or two, but I think just the stability and consistency of our coaching staff, um, you know, it, it has basically remained the same for the last 20 plus years. Uh, we've had a couple of guys come and go, um, but for the most part, they've, they've all stuck around. Um, that's probably bad for the next guy that comes up because there's a good chance that the majority of us will retire all about the same time. So, um, but I think the stability of that and, uh, and the ever, ever evolving process of our strength and speed program. Yeah. Coach, obviously it's no secret. You know, you guys want to establish the run game attack on the ground with opponents, you know, each week, essentially knowing what's coming. It seems like you guys just execute week in and week out your kids know, you know, they know what they're doing and they're focused and they execute what, what getting back to that consistency, what is it that you do that you think you do? Well, you get 16, 17, 18 year old kids to be so dialed in every week and really execute. I mean, that's, that's again, what I just, I find so, you know, impressive with your program is that kids always are in the right spots, whether it's the line play or the quarterback or the running backs or anybody on the defensive side of the ball, they're always in the right place at the right time. They know what to do. Well, I think again, part of it goes back to the, the speed and the strength training because, um, I think our kids typically are more physical than our opponents. Not always, not always for sure. And I think because of that, we see a ton of different defensive fronts, especially um, our, our D our defense itself has pretty much remained the same. We, we are a base defensive team. Um, we don't blitz much. Uh, we have very strict rules that our guys play to. Uh, gap responsible, don't give up big plays, things like that. Um, so we're not always perfect on defense, but we try to be solid. Offensively, though, I think because of our physicality, we probably by about week three or week four of the season, we have seen every defensive front known to man. And our kids are, by this time of year, they can easily adapt and adjust to changes that are on the field. And we work through those things week in and week out for what we think an opponent might might show us. But in a lot of it is the kids making calls at the line of scrimmage just because it's stuff they've seen before. Yeah, coach, looking on the, you know, at that running game a little more in depth, Gunnar Lobdell, Jake Zeal, Gage Dunker, they've kind of made up the running back by committee this year. And it seems like over the years, that's kind of been one of your calling cards is you have several running backs that are ready to take the ball at any time in this, in this year's, you know, iteration of that, what are their strengths? Talk about what you see in these, you know, three that you kind of know this is their strong point. Well, I think, you know, Jake's, Jake's been a three-year starter for us. He actually played 
in the 2019 state championship game as a freshman, uh, as a punt returner for us. Um, so he's got a lot of experience, but Jake is, Jake's the fastest guy. Well, some kids would, some kids would argue, but he's the fastest guy on our team at running back. He's the fastest guy on our team. Um, and he, he has that ability to make one cut and be gone. Um, Jake doesn't have the amount of yards that Gunner and Gage do, but he also doesn't have the same number of carries either. Uh, Gage is kind of a workhorse. Uh, you know, he's going to get the tough yards and uh, not nearly as fast as, as Jake and Gunner, but uh, gets the job done effectively. He's, he's kind of a between-the-tackles kind of guy. And then Gunner, Gunner kind of has both, both elements of that. Uh, uh, he's got a great step arm, loves to lower his shoulder on guys. Uh, can run it between the tackles, but also has a has the ability to bounce a run, uh, make it look like it's going inside, and then bounce it to the perimeter, which can be dangerous. How do you, when you're in the middle of the game, how do you balance out, you know, who's getting the carries and what situations? I mean, are, are you thinking about it in real time, whether it's, you know, all right, we need a big play on the outside right now, so we're going to Jake, or we need those hard yards, and we're going to Gage or Gunner. Talk a little bit about the coaching, you know, aspect of it. When when you know it's the right time to call their number. I don't know that we ever, ever just say, hey, we're, we want to balance it out. You know, we want to make sure somebody has 15 carries and the other guy's got 14 or 12 or whatever. Um, if if on any given day it's any of the three and we give it to them 25 times, they get it 25 times. I think there are games where some guys are seeing the field better. Um, some guys just, you know, for whatever reason, we all have those days, but some guys are having a better day than others. Um, certainly, you know, we go go with that hot hand. But I, for the most part, I don't think it's not about ever keeping it even. It's, uh, you know, they, they complement each other uh, greatly. And, um, you know, any given day, it might be a different guy. So. Uh, I, I really can't explain it. I don't think there's a whole lot of thought process going into it, but there are times when it's definitely, you know, Gage carried it 20 times every day for 200 yards. Uh, Gunner, Gunner only carried it 10 times. But um, what the defense was giving us was was obviously, you know, uh, between the tackles and Gage is our guy there. Yeah, well, these three certainly aren't doing it alone. Talk about Henry Engel and the line play. Again, I know I keep saying that I'm impressed with the consistency, and a lot of that shows itself up front, where there's guys leading the way, making some huge blocks, and then, you know, your running backs don't need a whole lot of space to be gone. Talk about your line play and, and what they do so well, you know, every week in the trenches. Well, I think, you know, we, we are constant. We're not doing anything different than anybody else is doing. We're, we're constantly telling our guys to get on blocks, stay on blocks. Uh, run your feet to the whistle, um, you know, block the backside, block the weak side of the play, just as tough as we're blocking the play side. Um, and then I think our back, our uh, backs take a lot of pride in, in getting it done as well. They're lead blocking for one another, um, you know, sealing the edge or stepping up inside and making a big block on a linebacker. And uh, then our tight ends do a great job of, of either down blocking or reach blocking and sealing the edge, they can they can do, you know, they can kind of do it all. So, um, you know, we we're not easy on our kids, that's for sure. We you know we require a lot out of them, 
um, in terms of the mental and the physical part of it, but they just respond. Yeah, Coach, we've talked a lot about over the years that the NUIC challenges you, challenges everybody in the conference, that you have to play your best week in and week out. We saw that this year when you look at the four quarterfinalists on the north side were, you know, Dakota and Forreston and Fulton and yourself. What did this conference, what did you see in this conference this year in particular that that really pushed you guys? And obviously you rolled through, you had your success, but you had to beat a pair of good teams twice. And that's never easy. What has the conference done for you this year to get you to where you're at? Well, I, I think it's the same as always, you know, I, I think for the most part, you know, obviously we'll see on Friday when we play Camp Point Central, but for the most part, it prepares you, you know, physically for what you're going to see in the postseason and maybe some, a lot of times better than what you're going to see in the postseason. Uh, you know, coming into the year, we knew that Forreston would be Forreston as always. Uh, we knew Fulton would be, would be awful strong. They had a lot of kids coming back. Uh, we knew with um, Coach Sheets coming in at Dakota, they had some, some really, really good athletes coming back out, maybe, maybe for the first time in a couple of years. Uh, he's had a lot of success with, with the track and field program. We knew, you know, we just knew that they were going to be a contender. Um, and, you know, then you, you throw in an EPC who, who didn't have a great season, but they turn around and they, and they beat a Dakota and Dakota beats Forreston and, you know, so just kind of, you'd never quite know. And, uh, I think for us, we, we probably stayed healthier than those teams did throughout the season. We had most of our guys all the time. Um, although we weren't always perfect either, you know, we, we lost Aiden Packard, uh, at the beginning of the year, he's still not back for us. And, you know, we knew he would be a great, a great, uh, contributor at tight end and safety for us. And, you know, but we've had other guys step up and adapt and, and, you know, fill the role there. So I think just the week in and week out preparation that it requires to, to play near the top of our conference is, is you know, something that, uh, that helps you in the postseason. Yep. Well, moving ahead into the state championship game, your opponent, Camp Point Central, they've compiled an impressive resume this season, and they're coming off an impressive win over Ridgeview Lexington. What have you seen on them and what are you focused on this week in preparation? Well, just uh, they remind me a lot of ourselves. You know, you're going to see we don't do too many things offensively, but we're going to show you, a, you know, a handful of formations. Um, they're a wing T team. They're going to trap. They're going to uh, double dive you. They're going to uh, rocket jet sweep you, uh, throw the play action pass. Um, they're big up front, uh, two huge tight ends. Big, big offensive tackle, big center, I think who, uh, you know, was an honorable mention All-Stater, big bigger than most people are in the backfield uh, with an All-Stater back there. And defensively, you know, they're, they're a 3-5 team. Um, Coach Dixon does a good job of, of really playing his system. They're, they remind me a lot of us. You know, they don't blitz a lot of linebackers. They're just playing gap-responsible football. Each and every guy knows, uh, you know, knows their role. And, and uh, you know, they just, they remind me a lot of us. Yeah, well, they're going to look a lot like you, too, because they, they have the same color scheme and they're called the Panthers. So uh, they're going to look the same on the field and, uh, you know, X's and O's wise, I suppose. But uh, right, right. 
looking at, you know, the trip to Champaign, how much does your program benefit from not only the extra games you had over the years, but to literally the logistics of the travel to a state championship, the walking into a college atmosphere. Do you think that your players, you know, who have seen it some multiple times, how much does that benefit where there's not that kind of, they're not in awe necessarily. They've been there before. They've done it before. Well, they've been there before and they've done it before, but I think the excitement of being at the U of I, um, nothing, nothing wrong with going to DeKalb. DeKalb has, has treated us very well over the years. Uh, they, uh, they, they represent everything that should be represented about the IHSA. Their people there treat us extremely well, extremely well. Facilities are first class. Um, but there's just something about going to your state university that is a little bit different. You know, the Wisconsin schools just got done playing at Camp Randall. That's got to be, you know, an extreme emotional high for those kids when they walk in there. And I think it'll be the same for our kids as well. Um, you know, it, it, it'll just be a lot of fun. Yep. So, Coach, what's your uh, – I think I've asked you this before, but what um... – what do you do before a game? You know, where, where would I find you if you, you know, you're getting into your kind of mental, you know, mental game and getting into the game prep, you know, as the clock winds down closer to kickoff, is there anything you have to do or any, you know, kind of superstitions or things that you do before a game? No, I used to be pretty superstitious, uh, uh, you know, wear the same things and whatever. But at this point, when you get to be 56 years old, you're worried more about staying warm, <laughs> staying dry, uh, you know, whatever. Um, I think, uh, you know, the kids, the kids keep you humble over the years. And I think eventually whatever you thought were your superstitions at one time are gone because you never know what's going to pop up. You know, I think nothing's ever the same for us on a Friday or a Saturday or, or, you know, on this Friday morning, I think it's just all different, which that's okay. That's how life is anyway. And, and we should be able to adapt to really anything that's thrown at us. Hopefully. So the, the goal of trying to stay warm, so you're not the coach in shorts and in any kind of weather guy, huh? No, uh, <laughs> we played a first round playoff game. At Stillman Valley, oh, back in the day, it was the year Stillman Valley won their first state championship, so early 2000s, and uh, it was awful cold out, and I was young and dumb, still wearing shorts, and I remember after the game, my dad said to me, he goes, what the heck were you doing? That was stupid, and I don't think I've ever done it again. <laughs> but good, probably good advice, always listen yeah. to your parents, right? Always listen to your dad, so. Right, yeah. All right, well, Coach, before we wrap this up, before you head to Champagne on Thanksgiving, what's the – everybody has turkey, right, I am assuming. But what's your, what's your side dish or dessert that you have to have on Thanksgiving? Uh, pumpkin pie. Gotta there you go. It. There I you go. It. All right, yeah. you, have, you have pumpkin pie lined up. Somebody make it for you, or do you make it? or? Uh... No, for, uh, I guess fortunately for me, uh, you know, three out of the last four years, I will not eat pumpkin pie on Thanksgiving Day, but I'll probably have it either. Uh, I'll probably have it Saturday night. Uh, we'll do Thanksgiving when we get back and I'll have it Saturday night. So, uh, you know, better late than never, I guess. But if you're if you're on the road on Thanksgiving Day, it's a good thing. There you go. Yep, absolutely. Well, coach, thanks a lot. Thank you for joining me and uh, good luck in Champaign. 
Sounds good. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Next up, it's Camp Point Central head coach Brad Dixon. Coach, thanks so much for taking a few minutes to join us here on View from the West. Yeah, hey, wait, I mean, it's obviously a fun time of year, and uh, I'm excited to, to uh, for our kids and our community, for sure. So we cover teams in the, you know, the Lincoln Trail Conference, and that's kind of your old stomping grounds. You're a, you're a former Westmer Warrior, correct? Yeah, it's, it's changed a lot. The old Westmer days, Alwood, uh, Monmouth Warren, Cambridge. Yeah, um, you know, Princeville's still going strong. Stark County's still in there, but most of those teams, Rova, they've all kind of co-opted. And so it's changed a lot, but that was a lot of fun back in the day. We had two divisions, uh, North and South or East and West. I think it was back then. Now you're at Camp Point Central, 12th year there. This is a program that coach you've had playing at a high level, you know, since you've been there, you finished a runner up in 2018, but this year sitting at 13 and 0 seems like this is kind of a high water mark for the program. Was this a year you had circled or you knew, you knew might have some potential here? Yeah, we did. I mean, we, we, we were pretty solid last year. We just um, kind of stubbed our toe in round two sent, went to central A&M after playing them in, in week eight and they played very, very well at their place. And we thought that was a team that had a chance to, to make a run. Um, but we graduated a lot of guys. We graduated six of our top uh, O linemen off that group an all state running back. And so we had to replace those guys, but we also brought back uh, quite a few guys off of that team. So uh, we knew we had a chance. We had to figure out what we were going to do up front because uh, we had to kind of mix and match and, and uh, that type of thing. But it's really shaped up. Uh, we've got a lot of depth this year. We've got quite a few juniors and seniors, and we've had uh, a freshman step up and Caden Ekamp on the D-line and, and Elijah Gennenbacher is a sophomore middle linebacker. That's really helped. Yeah, I've heard about, you know, Elijah leading the way in tackles. And his brother, obviously, Isaac, doing great work on the offensive side of the ball. We'll talk about them in a minute. But let's look back last week at your win over Ridgeview Lexington. Really impressive win, 44-8. to You know, they went to the semifinals a year ago. And I think when they kind of fell into that south bracket, people had them circled as a team, maybe a front runner to go to Champaign. And you, you, know, you took care of business against them on Saturday going on the road. That's a great victory on the road in the state semifinals. What did you have planned to try to slow them down and what worked so well? Uh, you know, well, really uh, Greenfield in, in round in the quarterfinals was uh, a great team that from our area that we normally play in conference, we didn't play. They ran a similar scheme at times uh, when they got in their power eye stuff um, and they were real physical in the first half and they took a 12-0 lead on us. Um, and we worked through that, understood what it was going to take and, and we outscored them 24 nothing in the second half. So we talked a lot about going over there. We hadn't been on the road since week eight of the regular season, going over there, getting off the bus and coming out and playing physical because that's not how we started our game last week. And we didn't want to let these guys get going. And fortunately, um, you know, I guess, or unfortunately, we, we usually like to be on defense first, but uh, we lost the toss over there and they chose to kick. So we got the ball first and we went down and, and you know, probably an eight or 10 play drive and scored. Um, and that, I think that kind of eases everyone's mind a little bit because, you know, you just never know. We knew they were going to play a 4-4, uh, much like Lena. But, you know, teams that play that are really good. And they just played their assignments really well. And we were able to move it on them and, and get a stop then right after that and then go down and score again. And then I think everyone definitely relaxes then. And then we were able to just kind of keep pouring it on in that first half and, and finishing off in the third quarter, getting the running clock. Yeah, very impressive. I think a lot of us thought that, you know, that game may be a toss-up or two very good football teams going against each other. And, man, just checking Twitter throughout the afternoon, it was like you just kept seeing score, score, score. So, you know, just really impressive win. Looking ahead now at the state title game, you're the number one seed on the south side of the bracket sitting at 13-0 and like we referenced. 
A lot of hype going into this game, though, is Lena Winslow. They're the number one seed on the North. And obviously, they're the two-time defending state champions in Class 1A. You know, what do you say to your kids this week? What's the message? What's the mentality heading in that despite being 13-0, and you guys may be viewed as the underdogs? Yeah, we really thought we were last week. Um, we kind of flew under the radar, you know, going even back to the IHSA selection show. You know, there were videos of, of every undefeated team but us, you know, and, and we understand that we're over here and in West Central Illinois, but uh, our kids really, they, they haven't worried about that. You know, we, we've done our thing all year, um, no matter who our opponent was. Obviously, Lena Winslow is, is just a different animal in and of itself. Um, we learned that the hard way against Forreston uh, in 2018. Uh, but I think this group's a little different in the fact that um, they don't get caught up with who we're playing. Like I said, you know, we went to Ridgeview and they were a good team. And we, we talked all week about um, what they had done. And, and here's what will happen if we don't take care of business and, and, and play our assignments. And this will be much of the same. I mean, we're going to have to have some good things go our way, obviously. Um, we're going to try to stick to our plan, which is, you know, the more we can keep the ball on offense, the less they get it on offense. Obviously, you don't want them to have too many touches. That's kind of been why, you know, one of the reasons we've been really good defensively this year is we've been able to consume a lot of time of possession. Uh, we haven't had a ton of big plays this year. Um, you know, you turn on the Lena film and it's big play after big play after big play, obviously. Um, you know, so hopefully we can keep the ball away from them. Um, you know, it always helps to get a few takeaways in, in key situations. Um, you got to win first down, you know, if, if we can get them in second and long, you know, but if they can get in second and three, it's going to be a rough, you know, it's going to be rough because then that opens the playbook to do whatever and, and uh, try to stay ahead of the chains on offense for sure. Yeah. Well, coach, you say they're a, a different animal, but really they're the same animal. You're both Panthers and you're both wearing the same colors. So, <laughs> but- yes, I mean, obviously the, some of the schemes are a little different, but I mean, we're trying to do the same types of things. Their guys yep. are very well coached. They get off the ball. They play hard. You know, you, you, there's certain films that you turn on sometimes and, and you see teams with good records, but then maybe you watch uh, certain people not running the ball or what happens when a little adversity hits or the ball goes away from them and things like that. And, and we try to highlight some of those to our kids at different times, but you turn this film on and you're getting uh, their best um, every single snap. So, you know, coach Aaron, you know, he's got kind of like myself, we've got, some coaches that have been around a long time. We've been together. They've got a ton of guys that have been together. You know, everyone's got a job to do on our staff and on theirs, and, and they're going to be well-prepared. And it, it really it's cliche, but it's going to come down to fundamentally, you know, who's able to play their assignments better and be more physical, and, and that's what the game's going to be determined by. Yeah, Coach, when, when you look back throughout your season, what's really impressed me is that, you know, you guys do a lot of what Lena Winslow wants to do. You talked about that ground game and controlling the clock. Talk a little bit about your offense and some of the guys. I know Isaac Gennenbacher has been a, a name leading the way. Ross Riley has kind of been his counterpunch along the way. What do you guys need to do? You know, you kind of reference it a little bit, but what are the keys? What are you focused on to really try to move the ball against Lena Winslow? Yeah, I mean, we, we, we've got to obviously attack them in different spots. You know, we're not just going to be able to line it up and give it to one guy. We haven't done that all year. Um, you know, I, I, Isaac's our leading uh, rusher with 990 yards, but he's, I think he's only averaging less than 10 carries a game. Uh, so we've got to rotate guys to keep him fresh. Um, you know, Lena plays a lot of their same guys um, in the backfield, which is, you know, those guys have been able to do it all year and stay healthy because they're, they're fast and strong. Um, so hopefully we can use some of our depth. Um, we've got to use uh, Nick, our quarterback, is, is uh, we were without him between weeks uh, about uh, halftime of week five through week eight. 
Um, he came back from an ankle injury in week nine, and we've been able to kind of throw it when we want to, uh, as opposed to that's part of that being ahead of the chains. If you can get in second and three situations at different times, you can throw, you can do some other things and really try to keep them honest. Um, and we're going to use uh, two fullbacks and Ross and, and Connor Griffin. And, and uh, you know, we're going to use everybody that we can. And um, Coach Ray, my offense coordinator, does a good job of, of trying to attack them in areas where maybe they're a little weaker or their alignments might dictate whether they, you know, they're a little tighter to the line of scrimmage or they're a little narrower to our formation or, or they're more on the edge. He does a nice job of doing that. And so we will adjust throughout the game and, and uh, hopefully we'll be able to find some things, but you know, they, they close so quickly that those things uh, they dry up pretty quick. Yeah. Well, on the defensive side of the ball in 13 games, you've shut out seven opponents. You're only allowing an average of, I believe, five points per, per game, a little over five points per game. What's your focus this week against, you know, this high-powered offense? Like we've talked about, Lena Winslow averages, I think, 51 points a game. Yeah. What are you guys going to do on defense? Do you think that you could try to limit them? Yeah, I mean, you got to be able to play your base stuff the majority of the game. Um, if you don't and you guess and you add an extra blitz or you bring a DB up, you know, that's when they hit all those huge plays throughout the year, um, you know, but you also got to have a few things ready. You've got to try in some situations to get an extra guy in certain spots, but they make it so hard like us because they can give, you know, they can get in a strong formation, but then run the fullback back to the weak side or, you know, lots of different stuff. So um, we believe in our principles defensively and our reads and our keys and our assignments. Uh, our kids have done a great job all year. They're going to have to do a better job this week than they have all year um, collectively. But, uh, you know, it's going to be a lot of do what we do, uh, find some situational blitz situations, uh, move some, move the front around a little bit from time to time and, and have a couple things ready. Obviously if you're base stuff, you can't, you can't only come in with that. You got to have a few adjustments ready, but uh, I, we've been pretty good this year when I've let the guys play. I mean, our guys pretty much called the whole game except outside of maybe about 10 defensive calls on their own last week. Um, you know, they're, they're a pretty smart group. They know how to get a line. They know what, what to expect. And so I've just told them I'm trying to stay out of their way and let them play fast. And that's what we're going to try to do. Um, you know, the best we can try to slow them down. Coach, you know, you kind of referenced, you know, that leadership on the field and, and them kind of making the plays and calling what they want to do. How valuable is that experience and that trust that you have with those players? Oh, it's, it's huge. I mean, especially we have a young group, really. We, I think we start uh, four or five juniors, a sophomore and a freshman on the defensive side. I think we have seven guys that'll be back next year. Uh, but they're way ahead of the curve. I mean, Elijah as a middle linebacker, you know, as a sophomore is playing like uh, someone in our system in their senior year. It's it's pretty crazy. And he's a big kid. Um, but, he, he, you know, he against Greenfield, I called him in a couple bad blitzes and those are big plays for them. And I hate doing that. Um, and that that's the bind that Lena's going to put you in. If you if you try to guess and gamble, um, you know, those seven, you know, those seven yard plays turn into 70 yard plays. Um, and so we got to be, we got to be cognizant of that. Like I said, we got to just make them earn it. They're going to earn some yards. They're going to earn some points. I mean, they're too dang good not to, uh, but you got to limit those sixties and seventies and those backbreaking plays, especially in, when you get them in some third and long situations. So we're going to go. And like I said, we're going to, you know, those guys that, you know, just looking at the film and, and, and we'll meet today after school, you know, our guys are going to have an idea of what they want to play. I mean, and then we, we put a lot on them and, and, they're, they're excited about the challenge, obviously, just like last week. And, and uh, we're going to give them a few things 
um, other things to kind of be ready for. But yeah, we got to do our stuff and, and just like force and they're not going to line up and they're going to come out and go shotgun just because we've only given up five points a game. They're going to line up in their stuff and they're just going to say, hey, we're going to do it fundamentally and you're going to have to tackle us. You're going to have to be able to get downhill. And that's the challenge of a state championship game. That's what makes it fun. Yeah, well, you know, in our area, we've kind of talked a lot about the NUIC is not about, you know, the unknown. You know exactly what these yeah. teams are going to do week in and week out. And it's the challenge of trying to stop it. And, you know, it's the, that's what makes it impressive. And you guys are, you know, the same way when you look at kind of what you guys want to do and offensively, defensively, you know, things don't change week to week, but you do it very well. You know, overall coach, you know, 13 and 0, you're headed back to the state championship game. How exciting is it for this community, for your program, just everything as the momentum builds throughout the years, you know, these are those moments you really look forward to. No, I mean, absolutely. Uh, our, this is only the second state championship game in any sport um, that our school's ever been a part of. Um, we've made a couple nice girls basketball runs where we've gotten a third and a fourth place in uh, like 2015 and 16. Um, you know, we've got a fourth place golf and, and some individual placers and in track and things like that. But you know what? I always tell our kids at the beginning of the year, football sets the tone for the entire year. It sets the tone for your homecoming. It sets the tone for the, you know, just the student body. And, and if you have a good football season, people kind of catch that. Um, it's it's fresh and it's the start of the year. And and we've had great crowds. We had a great crowd travel to Ridgeview um, on Saturday and, and brave the 10 degree weather that we had. Uh, we're going to have we're going to bring a great crowd over there. Um, we did last time. The thing I, I think this time would be a little bit different is. Uh, we've been there before. Obviously, our players haven't been. Some of them helped us with water bottles and filming, but um, our coaches, we've been there. We kind of have a better idea. Our community has a better idea. It's not as if it's something that we're just happy to be there, maybe like we were in 2018. You know, we're excited, obviously, to be there, and we're very thankful to be there, but we want it to be also about business, and, and we want to put our best product on the field and, and represent our community a little bit better maybe than we did in 2018 and, and, and uh, feel like we belong a little bit more maybe than we did that year. Yeah. Well, Coach, when you make that trip to Champaign, regardless of the venue, do you have uh, pregame superstitions? Do you have anything that you do every game or you have to do? Um, yeah, I wear shorts for every football game. Uh, so <laughs> okay. these, these last three weeks have obviously been tough, but uh, I'll come out in the pregame while we're setting stuff up and there's not much adrenaline in pants and I'll get people saying, coach, where's the shorts? I'll get them. I'll get them. And it's kind of like a uh, people, you know, it's just, it's what I've done since I started coaching back when I was 19. I just, um, I've just always been, I, I, now that I'm teaching PE, I wear shorts uh, all year long in, in the weight room or whatever we're doing. So it's just that. And then, um, you know, we, we try to keep the same routine uh, for every game. Um, you know, we went over there early uh, on Saturday and we had our meal like we normally would here at the school and did all that same stuff. And, uh, you know, obviously we don't quite have it down. Like, like Lee win It's kind of like, okay, here we go. This is like another game for us. We've been here six times or whatever they've been. Um, but hopefully that's something we're building down here in the South and, and, uh, you know, hopefully this year, one of these years, we're going to uh, make a run at this thing. So uh, Coach Aaron is not a shorts on the sidelines guy. He's now focused on dressing warm. So I think he's he's adjusted over the years. But uh, <laughs> you're the coach in shorts any time of weather, huh? Yeah, yeah. And, and obviously, I mean, that, it doesn't mean anything to how the kids play on the field. But that's just <laughs> something that I've always done. And, um, you know, we our guys were in in a lot of our team were in sleeves and all that. Um, you know, it's 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 whatever you need to do to play at your best. We're not big into yep. this, you know, like if, if, if sleeves make you feel better, you know, obviously we kind of 
depending on if we're on offense, pull them up, if we're running the ball, things like that. But uh, we don't get involved in all that. You got to look tough on the field and all that. It's all about your performance. And, and uh, obviously, you know, it, we've, we've fought through quite a bit of weather here and, you know, whether it's 30 on Friday or 40, it's going to feel like a hundred. I feel like after the last few weeks. Well, coach, before I let you go, I'm putting you on the spot here. What's your favorite memory as a Westboro warrior, whether it's, you know, individually a team or just something that stands out to you. And you look back at your time in Westmore high school. Well, I mean, I'll be honest. It was, it was before I was even playing. So kind of got me into this mode of coaching as I was a freshman, uh, but I was pretty smart and I liked the game. And uh, so our, our defensive coordinator at the time, Lance Riccio and, and Bob Stockham was the head coach. Uh, Bob still comes to several of my games, but uh they asked me if I would stand next to the defensive coordinator on Friday nights with a clipboard and chart down the defensive calls. And so on top of that, I would also string out all the cords. This was back in the late nineties. I would string out all the cords for the headsets. Then we had to run the cords from the press box down the ladders, run them all the way across the field. And then I would stand next to the D coordinator. And then, you know, that was just something that made me feel like, uh, you know, I was kind of coaching in that regard. And then obviously um, as a player, uh, we were able to go eight and one my senior year and win the, the West division um, of our conference. And so those are a couple things, but definitely was my, was my earliest memories were being able to be on the sidelines um, in a helpful coaching kind of role when I was a freshman in high school. Awesome. Very cool to hear that kind of influence, you know, as a, as a high school student, it's kind of parlayed into a, into a coaching career. So very cool. Well, coach, as a, uh, as you know, before you get to the state championship game here, you, you may have Thanksgiving or you, are you pushing Thanksgiving to after the game? Either way, what's your what's your must have side dish or dessert that you have to have on Thanksgiving? <laughs> I am a dessert guy, so okay. um, I, I like cakes or pies or cookies or any of that stuff. Uh, German chocolate cakes, my favorite of all time. Um, you know, so I, sometimes I feel like I could skip out on all the rest and just eat dessert. That's how I. <laughs> There you go. There you go. Well, Coach Aaron, uh, he also is a dessert guy. So he he references the uh, pumpkin pie. So there, there you, go. you go. That's a good choice. All right. Well, Coach, thank you so much for taking time. Good luck this weekend. All right. Thank you very much. All right. So there's a look at the matchup from the head coaches walking the sidelines. Mitch, now we're going to bring in our experts. Yeah. I, I'm not I'm not sure what we're experts on, but we like to talk about football and I guess we like to hear ourselves talk, I suppose. So we have Matt Shuckman from MuddyRiverSports.com, Kyle Campmeyer from NUICFootball.com. First of all, Matt, thank you so much. Shuck, I shouldn't call you Matt. Nobody calls you Matt. Shuck, thank you so much for being here. I listen to your podcast. I know Mitch does too. So it's great to have you on the show here and give your perspective. Dude, I'm honored to be here. This is awesome. I love what you guys do. Uh, we had talked about next year, we, we should like overlap sometime and do like a, a, a double pod show and absolutely and yeah we got to figure out a way to do that because we can talk we could talk all day about western big six football in the middle of the season yes we, we should yeah more than one episode but we can certainly find a time to meet in macomb i like that too I, I like that idea and actually i tried to find even a more central location but then you get in some really small towns which i'm not opposed to but it would be <laughs> fun to find the absolute most middle point we'd find some small town you know oh. i'm sure uh I'm sure DOB would find a dive bar in one of those small towns for us, right? I guarantee we could find something. And, we, and that's the thing we would have to do. We'd have to find a good old dive to sit at and yep. hang out and 
and and have the good old boys look at us like, what in the world are you guys doing here? <laughs> All right. Well, Matt, thanks for being here. And we also bring in Kyle Campmeyer from NUICfootball.com. Kyle, have you thought out yet from that eight-man football game last week? Yeah, luckily. It, it, <laughs> I, I followed that up with another cold one in Freeport for the Lena Winslow Forest and uh, semifinal game. So um, I actually spent more time outside for the semifinal game. I was fortunate enough to be in Monmouth and be in the press box there for most of the game. So, um, but yes, very cold weekend. I'm excited because Champagne's going to be a lot warmer this weekend. <laughs> that's, that's crazy the way it works out, but yes, it will be. But I remember last year covering a state championship game and you were up in the press box for most of that one. So I, I did the work down on the sideline freezing, but uh <laughs> You did, and <laughs> I will be in the press box once again. <laughs> You're smart man, smart man. I can't can't deny that. Well, well, Shuck, I'll start with you. You've been following Camp Point Central throughout the year. You followed him over the past several years. Talking to head coach Brad Dixon, the interview we just heard. This is a year they'd kind of had circled a little bit. You know, this is a program that's consistently there. You know, they're on the upper end. But this seems like a real kind of high watermark, 13-0, heading into a state championship game. Yeah, second state title game appearance. They were also there in 2018. Um, 13 wins is the most in school history. So the first time, they, you know, uh, they were 12-2 and two that year. Um, they lost in the state title game in 2018. Um, but, yeah, they had a bunch of injuries last year. You know, they had a really strong senior class, a really good junior class. And they ended up with a couple of injuries that kind of hurt them last year. Lost in the second round to Mawequa Central A&M. And, you know, you thought, okay, they could be really good this year. And I think the big the, the question marks they had were up front because they graduated all six linemen from last year's team. So it was like you had a brand new offensive and defensive line. You had all these, these skill guys around them who were really good. Um, and you knew they were going to get used. And it was like, okay, how's he going to use them? How many of the guys is he going to use? And, and fact of the matter is, his best players hardly touched the ball this year. And, and that's the unique thing about it is, I was looking at uh, Lena Winslow's stats, and and their stats are off the charts. I mean, you, you they're almost video game number-esque. Averaging 12 yards a carry, two of their top three runners, three guys over 1,000 yards. Um, Central's not that way. They, they spread it out. Um, there were, I think two different games this year where they had 12 different guys run the ball, you know? And so it's been, but it's been building and, and his process has worked. Um, and his process has changed over the years. And if anybody listened to, um, the IHSA media call that went on this week, he talked a little bit about that. And if you see Brad Dixon in person, he's a guy that you want standing next to you in a barroom brawl. <laughs> You know, and, and you'll see, you'll see him on Twitter, get up at, you know, you'll see a tweet from him at 435 in the morning and it's just hashtag up early to train and he's in the weight room. And I mean, dude's jacked, <laughs> you know, so we, so we need him when we go to that dive bar tour is what you're saying. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Okay. Most Great. definitely. <laughs> um, you know, yeah. And he, I mean, so that was the way their program was, is the, those guys got in the weight room. They worked hard in the weight room. Well, then they started adding the speed element. And then you started seeing things on Twitter from him changing and the conversations from him changing. Now, he's also the track coach. So it went from thinking they needed to be big and strong and burly and stuff to being what they call the fast cats. And they speed train now. Yeah. And look at what it's done. I mean, they outrun everybody. 
we've seen plays this this postseason where it's guys hit a gap, guys that aren't very big hit a gap and just run away from people. And it all comes back to their training. And listening to Coach Aaron talk this week as well, I mean, he was talking about how their commitment to their 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 strength and speed training, and it sounds very similar to what's what Camp Point Central is doing. I was going to say that's very interesting that, that that you bring that up because that's what Coach Aaron talked almost almost exactly about in our interview. You know, earlier in on this podcast was saying that they had you know built up a strength training, and then over the years it started becoming the speed, you know, the speed element too. So they were doing strength and conditioning or strength and speed and combining those elements. Kyle, we've talked about it a lot that what separates Lena Winslow, everybody wants to know, like, what's the secret sauce. And it's, you know, it's not easy to discover. I mean, there's a lot that goes into it, but a very core element to that is the weight room and it is that speed training, right? Absolutely. I mean, you take a look at what Lena Winslow is in comparison to the rest of class 1A, and it's very easy to see that the physical element uh, is very present when you see Lena Winslow. I mean, it's almost like looking at a college team at some cases compared to a, a small high school team. And I mean, you can just see it in their physique. You see it. You just see the everything ripping out of their shirts and whatnot. And, um, you know, what, where they're at right now reminds me of where Dakota was at in the mid two thousands, because Dakota had that, um, feel about him. And Mitch knows firsthand. Cause he got to go up against that 2005 team. That was just a, a, a very physical <laughs> team too, too soon. Uh, he says too yeah. soon, yeah. too soon, <laughs> 17 years later. And it's still, still too still soon. Burns. Still burns. But, uh, you know, it is the weight training. Um, one of the things that, you know, you hear Coach Aaron talk about in your interview with him was that he's had his core group of guys together for almost 20 years. And when you break that down, not only is it the longevity that helps out, but it's one of the things I talk to many people about when we're discussing why Lena Winslow has found so much success especially in the last 12 years. And it's the fact that you have every high school head coach is part of the football staff. So not only are they doing the weight training in the summertime where they're getting up at six in the morning, going to the gym and getting their workouts in, but you have uh, weight training going on during basketball season. You have weight training going on during wrestling season, baseball season, track season. I mean, and, and then you take a look, like the speed aspect. Uh, Mitch's buddy, Austin, is our, is the speed coach there. He's the track coach, and he helps out on the football staff for that element alone. I mean, if you watch Lena Winslow on Friday begin their workouts, it's Austin leading those workouts to get stretched out and go through all of that part of it before they break off into their group training to get warmed up for the game. Um, obviously you got the offensive coordinators, Kyle Benson. He's also the basketball coach. The defensive coordinator is um, Kevin Milder. He's the wrestling coach. You have Nate um, or Nick Werhane on staff. He's not only just the head baseball coach, 
but he's the junior high football coach as well. So you, you start to bring all of these different facets together. And, you know, one of the biggest things that you see is because Rick is a junior high PE coach, they really start getting the weight training going earlier than what most people do. They start it in junior high and they start to get the development parts of it down. Like they're not trying to push the weights so much, more so the technique so that as the technique builds, the strength comes with it. Yeah, absolutely. It is really fascinating to hear both these teams kind of programs kind of mirror each other and that maybe it's Camp Point Central is on the verge of being that program, right? Like they're, they're continually taking steps. So I, I just think it's, it's, it's a really interesting matchup this season in, in that dynamic. Matt, what, do, what are we looking at? Shuck, sorry, what am I doing? Shuck. Shuck daddy. What do, what are we looking at here as far as, you know, offensive players to watch for and kind of what, what they want to do. And I think it's camp point central's goal is very similar to what Forreston's goal was. And maybe what several other teams goal is along the way. They want to try to hold the ball as long as they can control the clock. And I think when you get to this point in the year and you're facing a team as good as, as Lena Winslow is, it's very important it's not as easy as it probably was a few weeks ago, but w- what are they going to try to do here? Give me some they're names. Run the ball. I mean, they're going to run the ball and they're going to spread it out to a bunch of different backs. They run a double wing formation. Um, they love to use the fullback. They've got two different fullbacks they'll go to. Uh, Ross Riley had 115 yards and three touchdowns against Colfax last Saturday. Um, you know, and, and again, they're going to give misdirection. They're going to give a lot of, you know, they're going to keep it between the tackles and then they're going to try to spring one of their little guys free off the edge. Um, they're all stater, first team all stater. Isaac Gennenbacher has, uh, you know, he doesn't even have a thousand yards yet this year, 990 yards and 17 touchdowns. Um, and he's clearly the best player on the field for, for them. And he's touched the ball maybe eight or nine times a game, you know, because they, they, they haven't needed to give him it. If they ran an I formation, and, and Coach Dixon talked about this, Gennenbach would be the guy that got the ball 25 or 30 times. But they give it to so many different guys, and they try so much misdirection um, with that double wing formation as a way to get defenses on their heels and then control the clock. You know, they want long, steady drives. They're not looking for the big, the big hitter here. Occasionally, yeah, that happens. But they're looking for five, six, seven yards of play so that they can control the clock, they can move the chains, and keep Lena, especially this week, keep Lena Winslow's offense on the sideline as much as possible. Um, and if you look at the numbers, it's really interesting you look at it. Gennenbacher's got over 900 yards. The two fullbacks have 750 yards each. And then your other wingbacks have almost 400 yards each. So it, you don't know who's going to get the ball on any given play. Um, and, and they're willing to give it to anybody, pretty much. Um, they don't throw the ball a ton. Their leading receiver is Gennenbacher. Um, he's got 17 catches for 353 yards and four touchdowns. They've thrown five touchdown passes all year. Yep. That, so <laughs> compared to Lena Winslow, though, that that seems like a you know air raid <laughs> offense. Yeah, what what Lena Winslow would correct me if I'm wrong, 17 passes, nine completions, seven touchdowns on the season. 
They're actually eight for 15. So eight completions for seven touchdowns wow. is what I have. <laughs> oh my gosh. Crazy. Yeah. Yeah. So we're not going to see the ball in the air much on Saturday. No, I mean, it'll, it'll, be, it'll be a quick moving game. But, you know, you talked about kind of the spread, you know, the spread workload for Camp Point Central. And Kyle, it's, it's a very similar type of thing with Lena Winslow. What, you know, you look at the end of the year statistics and you start looking at who leads the way in the, you know, NUIC, you know, top of the top of the rushing standings and also looking at like all state type of nominations and those running backs, Gage Dunker, Jake Zeal and Gunnar Lobdell, those names, they split the workload so equally and they all did a fantastic job that in almost any other, you figure a majority of programs around the state, if that kid's isolated on that team, he's getting what, 2,000 yards maybe? And in this oh, offense, very, they didn't need to. Three? Yeah. Three? It's, yeah, it's, it's very easy. I mean, you take a look at how many times that they're sitting by the time the third quarter starts or halfway through the third quarter, they're already on the bench as well. So, I mean, could their numbers be a lot higher than they are currently? Yes. I mean, if, and, and then if you did go to an offense that just ran a strictly feature back, yeah. I mean, you could give Lobdell 2000 yards and you could give Dunker 2000 yards. I mean, you take a look between the three of them. I mean, they're, they're almost at 4,000 yards collectively, the three of them. So um, you take one out of the equation, you're really not hurting too much because you can still make some damage. You could throw somebody else in there if you wanted to, and, and you, you don't even have to use them because the, the other two guys are going to take the workload and carry with it. So Kyle, from what you've seen in Lena Winslow, you know, week in and week out, and you know, you look at this Camp Point Central defense who is, uh, Matt, correct me if I'm wrong, I believe they're only averaging giving up like a little over five points a game. Yeah, that's right. And, and they gave up 12 to Greenfield in the first half of yep. the state quarterfinal game and then outscored them 24, nothing in the second half. Yeah. So I guess getting back to, you know, Kyle, the question for you is obviously Lita Winslow is a high powered offense. What, what is most important for them against this camp point central defense that has really slowed down a lot of teams? over this year? Well, it's going to come down to getting off the line quick. I mean, we heard Rick say that in um, the media talk today. He's got to be able to get off the line. Yeah, and, and really in a matchup like this where you have two predominantly running teams, line plays everything here. And it's going to be who can win the line of scrimmage and who's going to be fastest off the line. And you also heard Coach Dixon talk about it too, uh, as far as he knows that he needs to attack, he knows that he cannot let his guys sit back and wait to see what's going to happen because if they sit back, the linemen are already going to be up on him and Lena Wenzel is going to have a heyday. And if I'm Lena Wenzel, that's exactly what I'm looking to do. I'm looking to find the weaknesses as the gameplay goes on to where I need to attack. Who's sitting back waiting on anticipation rather than anticipating the play ahead of time and just keeping their keys down. And, you know, you heard both coaches talk about assignment football and, and, you know, that's when you take a look at Forston, who actually reminds me the most of CPC simply because I know that 
Coach Dixon studies a lot of what both Lena Winslow and Forston do, but when you break down what CPC does, they almost look identical to what Forston does with the with the uh, traps, the double dives, the leads, and then they try to get the sweeps going to the outside. The only thing that they do that Forston doesn't do is they they'll add in a jet sweep in there at times too. Um, but you. For Lena Winslow, you got to attack, you got to execute, you got to stay on your block. If you get off your block, you better be downfield blocking somebody else. And, you know, you're, I, I actually I heard Kyle Benson say that uh, this week. Uh, one of his linemen made a block, and it was a great block, and the, the runner ran by him, but then he became a spectator, and you cannot become a spectator. If you become a spectator, something bad's going to happen. And uh, you got to keep moving and you got to find somebody else to go hit. Mitch is a good spectator. That's why he was a quarterback, right? He hands the ball off and then he can spectate. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> that was, that was my job is just to give it to somebody else and then whatever happens <laughs> there happens. So, yeah. <laughs> Sorry, Mitch. I, I had to, I had to throw that in. No, it's fine. You know, you know what? I'll jump in here. Cause I think yeah. that Kyle said it best when he, uh, when he said that the camp point kind of reminds us the most of Forreston, and right a running back by committee, uh, they're going to run different traps, different sweeps, you know, up the middle, whatever it may be. And that's kind of a double-edged sword, right? Because I think that that style of play is what maybe can beat Lena Winslow. The problem is, is that Lena has seen that twice with Forreston and taking care of business both times. So, yep. you know, in a game like this where you have teams that, as we talked about, kind of mirror each other, right? In terms of nickname, in terms of colors, yeah. in terms of scheme. Um, both teams that have a lot of speed, both teams that have a lot of power. I think Kyle also nailed it there in the head where it's going to come down to execution and who can execute the best, do the fundamentals. And both coaches said that too in their interviews. So who can stick to the fundamentals? Is that going to lean towards Lena with the experience of being um, at the state championship, you know, as, as recent as last year, obviously camp point's been there too. Um, but, you know, I don't think the, the, the environment's going to be too big for either team, but who can kind of keep locked in mentally the best? Because again, both these teams are really, really similar. Yeah. Matt, Shuck, when you look at, I did it again, Matt, Shuck, Shuck, when you, when you look at this camp point central defense and I mean, it's, it's a large task in front of them. What do you see? What do you see from their individuals that, that need to be playmakers here that, that could make the difference if they, if they're going to win this game, if they're going to compete in this game, who's got to step up, what's got to happen. Well, their their young kids have to play bigger, and older, and more mature than their age actually is. Yeah, um, and that starts in the middle, middle linebacker with Elijah Kennebacher, only a sophomore. They've got a freshman along the defensive line, Caden Knee Camp. Those guys have to play like they're juniors and seniors if they want to to contend with Lena Winslow. I think the biggest thing is they got to they got to use what what size they have to clog everything up. Yeah. Um, because, because that's the, the one when they've given up yards, when they've given up touchdowns, when they've allowed teams to, to move the ball on them, it's because they've been able to get space up front, you know, and guys haven't done, haven't kept to their responsibilities and, and plugged the, plugged the gaps and, and, and made life hell up front for the opposing offensive line. You know, this game gets won in the trenches. And I, and I think, to be honest, I think that's where Lena Winslow wins this game. You know, I, I think their their physicality front 
is going to give them an edge up front. Now, can can Camp Point combat that with some speed? Can they combat that with their pursuit on defense? Because because their linebackers are their best part of their defense. But if they're if they get beat up up front, they're gonna those linebackers are are making plays four or five yards downfield instead of at the line of scrimmage or a yard downfield. Yeah. So Kyle, does that take us to our, uh, our picks, our predictions? I saw you already put something out in your, uh, in your kind of game, you know, game preview, your game info. So what is, what is your information tell you? Oh, uh, I mean, obviously according to the Freeman ratings, Lena Wenzel is going to enter this game as a 12 point favorite. And when you go into the projection model, it says that Lena Wenzel will win by 16 points. Um, that's what I put out there was Lena Wenzel winning 36 to 20. Obviously, there's a lot of things. It's not 100%, right? This is just taking raw data off of information compiled over the course of the season, and then it computes it back out to you, right? Um, but you know, there's always been a lot of talk, especially around um, CPC this year. Are they for real? And it, and it's it's hard to tell because they play in the WIVC, which is a close conference. Um, we have seen uh, the WIVC in the state championship game four times now since 2014, Carrollton twice and now CPC twice. And both of them have had to go up against Forreston and Lena Winslow. Uh, obviously, this will be the first time CPC sees Lena Winslow ever in history. So it'll be an interesting matchup. But, you know, you heard Coach Dixon talk about it. Um, he knows what Lena Winslow is. He's he's paid attention like most coaches do. Um, obviously, there's quite a few of the central kids that actually follow myself on Twitter. So, I mean, they're they definitely keep up with what I post because I saw a couple of them already uh, like that projection model I put out there today. So, um, you know, I, I have seen film on both. I've seen some of the competition that um, camp point central has played. Um, I went down to Jacksonville in round one of the playoffs to watch route play Villa Grove. And then at halftime, I left that game and went down to Greenfield to watch them to watch Greenfield Northwestern play Calhoun and um, got a firsthand look at what the competition looks like. Um, I already had a little bit of an idea as I do keep up with the WIVC on a regular basis. I got a couple friends that are in the coaching ranks uh, at Calhoun at once at one time at Carrollton at um, Brown County. So um Obviously, I know uh, Barry Creviston at Route 2. So um, I, I do pay attention to what they have going on. Obviously, the NUIC has proven to be on a, a different level over the past few years. Um, you know, I just took a look. This is their 11th. Well, technically, it's their 12th trip to state in 12 seasons, but that's because we had two teams go in 2014. So really, in 11 of the past 12 seasons, there's been at least one NUIC team at state representing the conference. And in that time, they've only lost one time, and that was in 2012 when Stockton lost to Moreau Forsyth. So obviously, the, the, the power is with the NUIC. 
and most notably it's with Lena Winslow right now. They are the hottest team in class one a, and they have been for, you know, for the last five years. And the only other team that's really been able to compete with them since 2013 has been the force and Cardinals. So um, it, it's interesting to see. I, I think that, um, you know, there's, there's been a lot of speculation around CPC possibly being overrated, but you know, that eye opening win last week in the semifinals. I mean, I know I'm not the only one that, really had Ridgeview Lexington picked. I mean, it was easy to say that they were the favorite in class one, a South with the minute we saw the bracket brackets come out and the Mustangs went to the South and obviously CPC was able to take care of that with a running clock as well. So um, I'm very interested to see how this breaks down. Obviously they do have some good size. They got Cole Pract on the line. He's what? 320 pounds. Um, and then you got a couple other guys there that have some good size as well. Like you said, Genenbacher is a huge deal uh, in the run game. I do expect that he will get more carries in this game. I don't think that uh, Coach Dixon's going to go too far off of his game plan because he shouldn't. You got to stick with your guns if you want to win. Um, in, but you, you're going to have to make adjustments as the gameplay goes on. Line-wise, definitely I would have to say I favor Lena Winslow. There's no doubt about it. They got not just the size, but they got the strength and the speed as well. And, uh, you know, anything's possible in this game. You know, a couple mistakes here or there. It reminds me of 2013. Lena Winslow stole a state championship there. They were not the favorite. Tri-Valley was. And Tri-Valley, honestly, they should have been up 28 to nothing at half. But instead, they went in up a touchdown. And in the second half, Lena Winslow put up a huge defensive effort returned two fumbles for touchdowns and came away as the state champs that year. Um, you know, and, and anybody can do that. I mean, it, it, you take a look at the Panthers of Lena Winslow. They've only fumbled the ball six times all year on 471 attempts. So that's 1% of the time they put the ball on the floor. Um, obviously, they've thrown zero interceptions, so they don't turn the ball over much. They do a great job of taking care of the ball. But last year we watched Lena Winslow have problems with Carrollton where they were driving and they could have been up 38 to 6, 40 to 6, something like that at halftime. But they got that fumble there that Carrollton was able to recover. And, you know, they got some late responses from Grant Pullman before the half to really keep that game closer than what it looked like, especially with the physicality up front that Lena Winslow had. And, you know, you bring a lot of those and I shouldn't say a lot, but you have some of those players back this year uh, with Zeal, with Dunker. Uh, you got the linemen in uh, Tippett and Angle and Pecorero are all back. So, you know, going on experience, yes, CPC's been there before, but the kids that are playing today have not. Um, whereas Lena Winslow has had that experience. I mean, you heard Rick Aaron say that Jake Zeal was a specialist in the 2019 state championship game as a freshman as well. So, you know, they, they do have some experience to back themselves up on, but at the same time, you know, I I've, I've, I've taken a look at what coach Dixon has said and, and it does, you, you do see it. I mean, the cent, the central Panthers definitely uh, have a lot of team camaraderie um, you, you can see it in the pictures as well. You, you hear it with coach Dixon's interviews where they're picking each other up. So I'm, I'm really excited for this game, but, uh, 
you know, I put out my podcast. Well, I, I recorded it earlier today. I have Lena Winslow winning 44 to 20. I, I do want to reference before we go any farther that there was one, one amongst uh, Mitch and Kyle and myself that did pick Camp Point Central to be in this state championship game. That would, that would, that would be myself. I'm going to brag because I don't, I don't get these picks right all the time. So I'm going to brag that I did call this. I called Camp Point Central to be here. Chuck, can I put you on the spot as, as a journalist? You going to make a prediction here? Or? I, so I'm listening to Kyle talk about things. You know, Lena Winslow has a huge advantage in experience. Those kids have been in that game. There are actually two Camp Point kids who, who have, have a state title game experience. Drew Pabin was the water boy <laughs> in 2018, and, and uh, Gavin Blewett was helping videotape. There you go. So, so they they were there. They just weren't playing in there. So, <laughs> um, but no, that is a huge factor. The, the understanding the, the how to approach the day, how to approach the game, how to approach the setting um, is a huge factor for Lena Winslow. Uh, Camp Point doesn't have that. The coaching staff does. And, and I know Kyle mentioned earlier with Lena Winslow of uh, the, the continuity of the staff. That's one reason Camp Point Central is here. Because when you look at Brad Dixon's staff, he's had guys that have stuck around, who, who have made a life in Camp Point, who are coaching other sports as well. Um, Casey Monroe, who's been there, I think, 12 years now, also coaches wrestling. Um, he's got another assistant that's new this year, but in Zach Houston, who's a, who's a central graduate, but has coached baseball and football and at some other schools and is now as an assistant in those sports um, at Camp Point. So there, there's a reason why they're here um, on, on a number of levels. Now, with that said, they've been doubted all year. Not Yes, they were, they were state-ranked. Everybody kind of picked them to win the WIVC North, but nobody thought that the North and, and the rest of their schedule prepared them to make a run like this. Like Everybody went, okay, are they overrated based on state rankings because of who they played? Um, are they prepared to beat a team, a tough team, deeper in the postseason because of who they played? And, and I think there were doubts all along, and this team got a chip on its shoulder because of that. Could that help them this week? Sure. You play with a chip on your shoulder, anything's possible. Um, because if things go wrong, Lena Winslow makes a mistake, can't point capitalize on it, there you go. You know, it, I don't expect Lena Winslow to make many mistakes, but what if it happens? And can't point capitalize on that. Um, one of the one of my buddies here called him. It's the dragon and the dragon slayer. Can can Camp Point Central be the dragon slayer this week and take down the big beast? Sure, anything can happen. I don't think it happens. I think Lena Winslow is as good as it is, and the reason it's there year in and year out is because of that continuity, because of that strength and training. And they're just darn good. I mean, they're, uh, yeah. Sometimes you just gotta. Sometimes you just gotta go. That is a darn good team. They're they're gonna win. And it doesn't matter who we're covering, who who you're there for. You just look at it and go, that's the team to beat. And that's Lena Winslow this year. Um, Camp Point Central is going to find a way. Brad Dixon and his staff is going to find a way to try to make this competitive. And if a break goes their way early and they find a way to get a lead, maybe they can milk it. Maybe they can go on a couple of those 
10, 12, 14 play drives that take off six, seven, eight minutes. It's going to be hard. It's going to be hard. Um, and the more I poured over the numbers, you know, it, slowing w- Lena Winslow is a huge task. I think, I think Camp Point Central's got a chance to slow them a smidge. I don't think they can slow them enough to win, but I think it's going to be pretty competitive. Um, and maybe not quite as high scoring as Kyle thought. I was thinking more in the 28-12 range. Yep. Yep. That makes sense. I think what stands out to me is Kyle referenced it that last year, Lena Winslow did kind of get off to a slow start. And there was kind of, as I was walking the sideline, that kind of like, you know, that you could feel that tenseness, you know, that Lena Winslow felt like, they should control this game and they're not and what's going on. And now that being said, Mari Roby arrived and took care of business and the game was over. But my question becomes, is this camp point central team maybe a little better than that Carrollton team was a year ago? Are they, are they a team that's willing or that's able to maybe take advantage of some of those mistakes if they happen? Now, it's not likely that they're going to happen, but Shuck, like you said, what if they do? Then who knows? So, Mitch, I'll, I'll default. I'll go to you. What what say you on this matchup? You know, I was just looking at it. Um, take take both teams out of it, right? It's been 10 years since a team from the South has won, um, and that was Moreau Forsyth in 2012. So, you know, we, we talk a lot about the strength of Northern Illinois football um, just as, as a whole, and I think just the style of play that Lena is used to year in year out playing in, in the NUIC or even if they play an out-of-conference opponent whatever it might be um, I, I just think year after year North Illinois football is 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 better right so um, talking about the Carrollton game last year I, I think that was more I don't remember that that quarterback's name but I, I don't think they they saw an athlete like him I thought he was really the difference in that first half before uh, Lena figured it out so looking at this game, when you have a team as similar to them as Camp Point Central is, I almost think that favors Lena just even more, honestly. And again, that goes back to how well they, they fared against Forreston last week and in the regular season. So um, I, I've, got, I've got Lena's experience. I've got Lena's power being the difference in this one. I'm going to go 38-14, Lena. Yep. I'm a... Uh... I'm in lockstep with you guys. I, I did, I did predict camp point central and Lena Winslow to be here. I just want to say it one more time. So we all remember that it happened, but I did, I did take Lena Winslow to win the state championship. I just, I I've been so impressed with them all year long. And uh, what I saw firsthand in the game against Fulton in the quarterfinals was just I said it in my interview with coach Aaron that I was just so impressed with the way that every kid on the field, all 11 execute so well that it's line play, it's running backs, it's quarterback, it's everybody, you know, on the defensive side of the ball, it's the same thing. They're all flying to the ball. They're all doing their job. They're not over committing. They're not making a mistake. I just, I've been really impressed with Lena Winslow. That being said, I think this Camp Point Central team, I believed in them, right? I, I felt like they were a really strong team this year and that this was a time for them to make this push to the state championship game. I hope it's a close game. I, I Interviewing both coaches, 
on the show today. Uh, they both run great programs. It's what we all love about small school Illinois football. They do it the right way, whatever, you know, whatever quote unquote the right way is. It just feels like they're so committed to these small towns and to these programs. I hope it's a close game. I hope it's kind of that, you know, that celebration of small school football. If we can get a, you know, an ending, if it comes down to the end, that'd be great. I do think Lena Winslow is the better team, you know, in this one. So do we have anything else to talk about in the class 1A? If there's if there's a podcast for anybody around the state that breaks down the 1A game better than we did, I'd love there's to hear not. it. There's because, not. man, this is great. This has been excellent. I love this. And actually, Shuck, did, uh, did Camp Point Central get a Shuck on the truck this year? Uh, Coach Dixon and I did one the other day before the semifinal. Awesome. And if all goes well, we're going to do a shuck on a truck with the offensive lineman on win. <laughs> okay. Oh, I love it. I love it. Great stuff. Okay. Got to give the boys up front some love. Absolutely. That's right. Absolutely. That's yeah, what yeah. I've been impressed with Lena Winslow the same way. Like the, you know, the guys in the trenches are doing the work for these running backs and get creating the space. So I guess before we move along, we'll end on a high note. How much fun has it been to be around this Camp Point Central program and to kind of see this year kind of culminate in this in this trip to Champaign? It, it's re- it's been a it's been a great blast to to get to know the community as, as well as I have. Um, the like the Gennenbacher kid. Yep. Um, the the two brothers on their team, their uncle and I played YMCA football together. Yeah. Back in the day. And so there's, there's a ton of connections um, when you go back to, and when you, and when you're around a group of coaches and, and you guys, and it seems like Lena Winslow is the same way when you're around a group of coaches that are just good dudes that you can sit there and talk to, you can go out to practice and kind of BS with them a little bit. And you can talk about more than just football. You love doing that. And, and I can't point is very much that way. Um, they just make it enjoyable for everyone. Uh, well, Kyle, I'll ask you before we wrap up, how excited is your wife? Because she's a Lena Winslow grad, so I know she's excited. <laughs> well, yeah, she's uh, very excited. Uh, <laughs> so so excited that uh, we have her brother coming along, too, who happened to be on the 2009 team that lost in the semifinals to Lexington. So, um, you know, it was one of those things where it was going to be a little bit of fitting if Ridgeview Lexington had made yes. it just for that aspect. but. At the same token, you know, I have the utmost respect for what Coach Dixon does at CPC. I'm really excited to see where he is driving his program. The things he does, like I said, it reminds me a lot of what Forreston and Lena Winslow do. And I know in talking to Coach Dixon in the past, I know he's he's done a lot of things to study and emulate what those two teams do because he sees them as being highly successful teams in the state. And if you want to beat the best, you got to – to be the best, you got to beat the best. And I think he understands that his game philosophy matches that obviously he comes from an area that had a lot of football tradition, you know, being from Westmer and going up against those great Alito teams in his day as well. So um, he sees it, he understands it and it, it, it's great to see. And, you know, just in talking to him, I mean, he's always so open to help other coaches out and, uh, he'll, he'll talk to anybody if you give them a second to let you there to converse with them. And, um, it's, it's great. I, I really, I'm excited to see this game. Um, as far as Carrie, yeah, she's, she's 
ready to go. I, I think she's got half her bag already packed and it's only Monday night. So. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. Yep. I was there last year. We walked the sidelines and she was taking photos and I was getting some video and uh, very proud alum loves it. So it's great. And uh, yeah, she was going through her cameras, making sure she's got everything loaded, ready to go. We fired up the laptop, making sure that's all ready to go. Cause we, I honestly, I haven't worked off the laptop all year. So got to get everything uploaded and downloaded and all that good stuff. So awesome. Well, yeah, for, for anyone listening, I encourage you follow along nuicfootball.com on Twitter and, you know, on their website, Kyle Campmeyer, you do a great job of covering that conference. I'm, you're going to be all over it on Twitter on Friday morning uh, in a balmy, nice, warm champagne morning to cover a state championship. And also Matt Shuckman with MuddyRiverSports.com. I love your coverage and I love what you guys have created down there in Quincy and, you know, given a lot of love to not just Quincy, but the, you know, surrounding area, including Camp Point Central. So I'm sure you guys will also have coverage down there in Champaign, have it all covered. So very exciting stuff. Well, should we move into uh, some other classes here and see the matchups and see what stands out to us? Yeah. We're looking at in class 2A, Downstry Valley had the win over Moreau Forsyth, 36-6. to They go up against Decatur St. Teresa, 13-0. That's a team we thought would probably be here. They got the job done over Johnston City, who had come into the game at 12-0. They won that one 39-15. So it's Downstry Valley and Decatur St. Teresa. I mean, on paper, this looks like it's, it's St. Teresa's year, right? They got upset last year on a crazy game in the semifinals against Nashville. This seems like it's, it's Decatur St. Teresa ready to win a state title. Yeah. They returned a lot of guys from last year. Obviously they wanted to have that opportunity to face Nashville again. The seedings worked out to where they could have met up with them in the semifinals, but Nashville got knocked out early, but St. Teresa definitely looks like they're on a mission. I mean, we were able to see them, uh, live up here when they had to come to Pecatonica to play Dupec, and they looked every part of the real deal. Uh, I was really shocked to see them not get there, but they definitely have that chip on their shoulder. The Broomer brothers uh, are definitely uh, taking control here, and um, you know, obviously they got a few other guys there that are helping have major contributions this year. Um, and... Um, it, it, it's it's fun to see but you know tri valley man have they turned some things around they they went to the spread this year getting away from their typical wishbone double wing type style offense and um coach roop despite going to the spread has uh went back to a, a power run game coming out of the spread and obviously we've seen it as Reginald's ran for almost 700 yards in the last two weeks so He's definitely starting to tear it up and Tri-Valley starting to get hot. So this game definitely has me very intrigued to say the least. Yeah. Chuck or uh, Mitch. Well, I, the, the interesting thing I thought is so many people were hoping for a Moroa Forsyth Decatur St. T showdown because of their close proximity. Yep. So I know that there was a little bit of luster lost on the, on the title game from that area. Just like, Oh, we don't get to see the, the mat, the, the dream matchup. Um, fact of the matter is St. T I think is head and shoulders above everyone else right now, um, in two way. And I, and I think again, they, they've done a great job with their offense. 
They've done a great job of building that program. I, I think they win. I, I think they win handily. Mitch? Yep. Yeah, I think I think St. T wins too, but I, I've been impressed with Tri-Valley. You know, that they, they beat Wilmington in round two and then in Barroa in the semi. So they, they've certainly been battle-tested. Blake Reginald's really, really good. So if St. T can kind of keep him in check, yeah, I, I do think this one could get away from them. But I, I wouldn't be surprised if Tri-Valley keeps it close because, uh, like I said, they've been battle-tested. They've beaten perennial winners. Uh, so, yeah, looking forward to, to this game. Yeah, let's move into Class 3A. This is the bracket that I think, you know, kind of had everybody, you know, all eyes around the 3A bracket. There were just so many teams in that north side. And no offense to the southern side of the bracket, but, man, the north was just absolutely loaded. And a team that we kind of thought would be there, they're there. I see Catholic. Last year, they got upset in the semifinals by Byron on a last-second play. This year, we got that rematch again at IC Catholic. IC Catholic took care of the job, no problem, 35-0. So I guess, Mitch, my question becomes, did we see the de facto state championship with IC Catholic and Princeton in Princeton a week ago? Yeah, I think so. Um, And whatever happened in that game that – IC Catholic found a spark in, in Joey Gliata. Yeah, no kidding. I, I mean, he, he followed that up in the semifinals with another 180 yards. So I, I don't know why he played in the first place. I don't know if their two running backs are, are hurt or they just went to him as a spark, but he's got it. There, there's no doubt about that. So, um, yeah, if I think I, I think I might have picked Byron to beat them um, in the semifinals. So the way that IC Catholic won puts things in a different perspective. Like I said, I think that now that they've got their running back figured out a little bit, um, maybe they, they kind of have their, their direction. So, yeah, I, I mean, Williamsville, there's, there's no, you know, uh, they're a really, really good program close when they're against uh, unity in the semifinals. Um, but, but they've had a, a tough road too. So, but yeah, I, I think I see Catholic, they get their championship after a tough year last year and uh, yeah, they're, they're a good team. There's no question about it. Yeah, Chuck, have you followed along with this 3A bracket, and where, where are your thoughts here? Well, I, I had the opportunity a couple of years ago um, when Williamsville rallied in the second half to beat Quincy Notre Dame in the okay. state semifinals. Um, so I've been able to follow the Bullets a little bit. Uh, Aaron Coons does a great job as head coach there. Um, but I don't think, again, I don't want to sell them short, but I see Catholic um, is, is infinitely better. Yeah. 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 I'm Kyle. I'm guessing you're kind of in the same, same headspace here. I mean, we, we saw what should have been last year. Right. I mean, yeah. The, the fact that they gave up 15 points in four minutes to Byron, to get stunned when they had a 14, nothing lead for the majority of the game, whatever happened to them stalling out, obviously you got to give credit to coach Boyer and his defense. Um, and the experience that they've had against IC Catholic. I think that was part of the reason why a lot of people gave Byron a fighting chance this week was just simply because of the experience and him knowing what needs to happen to slow them down. But you take a look at what IC Catholic was last year and and they were a lot of sophomores. I mean, you take a look at Danny Mandela, the quarterback, KJ Parker, the wide receiver, these guys are only juniors. So they're going to be back here again yet next year too. Yeah. And, and and you got a lot of that 
across the board. I mean, they're a junior heavy team with a good mix of seniors and they have some sophomores coming in and yeah, the rise of Joey Gliotta. I mean, who the hell had heard of him before? I, <laughs> I mean, these past two weeks, he's just been on fire, man. Okay. So Kyle, the question becomes if they win a state championship, does I see Catholic, they get the multiplier that doesn't guarantee they move up to four a right there. They would, no. um, they'd stay in three a no. almost. The, the, yeah. Yeah. They'll stay in, yeah. Yep. Well, what Mitch said, it has to be two years in a row. So they won't get the success factor, but they are, they've already qualified for the multiplier anyway, because they have the yeah. required wins to get multiplied. So um, right now they're playing on a petition to be in three a that's Next right year They'll just have their enrollment plus the multiplier attached. Okay. There you go. There's only one team that's getting success factored. SHG. Yeah. Okay. I did see that. Yeah, you're right. I did see that. Um, So, yeah. So could have, I see Catholic could have played two a. Yeah. Had they not petitioned up last year, they would have been in two a this year and last year. Wow. Because their enrollment's only 323. So they were actually on the borderline of being class one a actually. Yeah. Well, we've had that we've had that podcast discussion. That was a thirty minute. If you, if you think that's bad, wait till we talk about Providence Catholic. <laughs> <laughs> well, Mitch, let's jump into Class Four A. Let's, let's talk about a Seven A championship team here in Providence. <laughs> Providence Catholic gets the win over Wheaton St. Francis, seventeen fourteen. They go up against Sacred Heart Griffin. They win the Leonard Bowl. 56 to 42 against Rochester wild Chuck, Did you follow along with this? Did you see the action? Okay. So, so the other, cause they played Friday night. Yeah. Right. And Quincy university was hosting uh, an NCAA division two Midwest regional for, for women's volleyball. So I'm out covering volleyball, but the whole time I'm on my phone yeah. trying to pay attention to the Leonard bowl <laughs> yeah. and I'm going, okay. And, and, and knowing knowing both coaches, um, and for the amount of years I've known both, and it, okay, so I'm, I'm I'm watching, and Rochester's just rolling. Yeah, and I'm thinking, wow, yeah. Derek's gonna take out his his dad one step short of playing for a state title game. <laughs> and then here comes SHG, and I couldn't. I'm trying to follow on Twitter, and I couldn't get enough of it. And so, of course, and when I got home that night, then I'm trying to look up everything and watch every video highlight and uh, incredible, incredible comeback. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Mitch, you were you were following along. You were watching. You watched the eight man state championship game and then you jumped right into that. I did as well. And as soon as I turned it on, I saw one play and it was the huge play to tie the game. Right. And then I'm sitting downstairs watching with my son and I'm kind of giving him the backstory, trying to catch him up. And then all of a sudden it's the fourth down and it's what fourth and one. Yeah. And they go for it. And I'm like, my son and I are talking about it. Like, man, this is a huge play. They just tied the game and now they're going for this on fourth down and they bust off this 50 yard run on a fourth and one to take the lead. Just incredible. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think it was 35 on answer what it, what it came out to. So, yep. um, you know, in this one, it's regardless of, of what class they're playing in, this is going to be a pretty fun game, right? This is 15, 15 combined state championships. Uh, Providence Catholic's got 10 SSG has five. Um, I'm pretty sure I saw this correctly that Ken Leonard is sitting on 499 wins. 
And so if he wins, not only does he get a state championship in his final game, it will also be his 500th win. So uh, I, yeah. I think the stars are aligning pretty well for, for the Cyclones um, here. So I'm going to take SHG. They're just so athletic. They're, they're so good. Lost last year to a really good Joliet Catholic team, but I think they get their revenge this year. Yeah, I, I think I agree. I mean, talk about heading off on the perfect farewell. And right. by the way, did it? Did anyone, I know I sent it to Mitch. Did you see the uh, Sacred Heart Griffin cheerleaders held up there? You know, the sign that uh, the players run through before the game and the banner that they ran through said, hey, Derek, your dad says it's time to go home. <laughs> perfect (laughs) just perfect such good stuff i love it so so that's the that's the 4a state championship that's seven o'clock prime time friday night providence catholic against sacred heart griffin and actually that providence catholic team was five and four heading into the playoffs and here they are sitting at nine and four now looking for a state title so moving into class 5a this is a really interesting matchup. You have Nazareth Academy, also a nine and four team, five and four heading into the playoffs. And now here they are. They've had a state championship pedigree over the last few years. They're going up against a Peoria High team that, man, we've talked about them over the years. Yeah. They're just such a fun team to watch because of their offense. They got the win against, they, they beat Morris in the semifinals. 76 to 56 like they don't care they're just gonna keep scoring on you and i shuck have you followed along with peoria over the years i had tim thornton the head coach there's a great dude um yeah has done such an incredible job of taking that program and elevating it um again we talked about brad dixon being a guy you'd want next to you in a barroom brawl yes put tim thornton on the other side (laughs) nobody's gonna mess with you you know, um, it, but you know what? They're so dynamic because they have athletes everywhere. Yeah. And I, and I think that's the thing that sets them apart. Not only do they have guys in the backfield and, and outside who are good, their offensive line and defensive linemen are so incredibly athletic. Um, they are so much fun to watch because of the offense they run and because they just have athletes everywhere. Yeah. What's really fascinating to me is when you look at this Peoria High program that before Thornton took over, I mean, they they struggled year in and year out. They were they were not they were no more than four wins in any season. I think going back 10 years before that, they they just they were not a competitive team. And it was like all of a sudden he took over, things turned around, and then it was that year they marched to the state championship, the state their state title. And it was just a great story, right? You just love to see like this head coach comes in and he finds an offense and he builds it around what he's got. And man, they just, their offense has just been incredible. I'm trying to remember if it's them or if it's Springfield, because they also had a bunch of those. Well, well, Springfield, Springfield beat Rock Island that way. But I know that Peoria High put up a ton of points one year. Yeah. The, the year The year Peoria Central won the title. They beat Eisenhower in the second round, 96 to 40. <laughs> I knew. Yes. I knew there was a 96 point game in there. Yeah. They, that The year they won the title, they went, they scored 96 points in the second round, 68 in the quarters, 
43 in the semis and 62 in the championship. <laughs> I that run was just unbelievable. Uh, yeah. I, I will say Quincy Notre Dame now is on an island here because they're an independent. Yeah. But for a while there, they were part of the mid-state six. Okay. Playing the Peoria schools. It was great. Just watching some of the teams they went up against over there was phenomenal. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Mitch, I don't know how much you know about Nazareth, but I know you know their uniforms. Yeah, great uniforms there. One of my favorites. We'll uh, we'll have that discussion here here later. I was going to say, uh, to, I, to anyone I, listening, to yeah. anyone listening, we also have a bonus episode this week where Mitch and I make our predictions solely based off uniforms. So that's our UniView <laughs> State Championship Preview. That is also available. If you're listening to this, go out and find it on our YouTube channel at View From The West, or you can find it on your regular, you know, podcast stream. But uh, that's also, that's our, that's our uniform previews. So. Yeah, but I, I don't think it'll, it'll help them in this game all that much if we predict it. Cause I think Mal- <laughs> Malachi Washington and the Lions are going to be a little too much for them. But Yep. Yep. Yeah. So that's Nazareth Academy, Peoria High. That's Saturday. That's the 10 a.m. game. Let's look into Class 6A, and this is another matchup. This will be fun. Year in and year out. Yes, exactly. Year in and year out. I don't watch the 6A game a whole lot. Once you get into 6, 7, and 8, I'm not always watching those games. But you got Prairie Ridge, 12-1, and going up against East St. Louis at 11-2. and And obviously... It's 11 and two, but it's still East St. Louis. But on the other side, you got an unbelievable, the numbers this kid's putting up for Prairie Ridge. What's his name? Vasey? Yeah, Tyler Vasey. Tyler Vasey. Mitch, have you seen his numbers Do you, at, at the latest? What's his updated? Uh... Kyle might have him. I, I think he was over 3,400 yards in the season and probably approaching 50 touchdowns, something like that. It was something absurd. According to, according to the stats, the IHSA has provided 300, 3,776 yards rushing and 52 touchdowns this season. Ah. Oh my gosh. As a, as a quarterback. Like eight man numbers. Yeah. Right. That's uh, I was just going to say that yeah. that's eight man numbers. Oh man. Uh, I did see that uh, Steve Susie's article said, he had a rather mundane 171 yards in the in the win over St. Ignatius. So, you know. What, speak, speaking of that, though, did you see how that game ended? Yes. Okay, it was a field goal. Yeah. And that kid, the field goal kicker, had never kicked a field goal in two years on the team. Right. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> and yeah, he last, wins it. La- last second to beat St. Ignatius. That was crazy. So, yeah, I don't, I don't know if they tried to ice the kicker, but can you imagine – if you're a kicker, you've never kicked in a game before, and then they ice you. I don't know if they did or not, but either way, incredible, awesome. So great for Prairie Ridge. Was it was it East St. Louis and Kerry Grove in the 6A game last year? Yes. Yeah. yeah. And that was maybe one of the best high school football games I've ever seen. It was amazing. You knew how talented East St. Louis was, and to see what Kerry Grove was able to pull off was incredible. Kyle, you were watching that one. I think we've talked about that game. Oh, yeah. I love Penn State, Cary Grove. (laughs) (laughs) But, I mean, East St. Louis is obviously – they were very talented last year. And, and, uh, I mean, 
they I, I don't know what it is, but they could not stop the power run of Kerry Grove. And yeah. you take a look at it this year. I mean, East St. Louis has not lost a game to anybody in the state of Illinois. No, that's their what I was going to say. It's a, yeah. Their one loss is to the number eight ranked team in the country <laughs> by seven points. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And then their other They're loss is level. the 130. Yeah. The other loss is the 134th ranked team in the country by two points. And they're from Georgia. The other one was from Maryland. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, this is, again, it's going to be similar to Kerry Grove last year. Perry Ridge is going to have to come in with a game plan similar to what Kerry Grove did. And they're just going to have to run the ball, run the ball, chew up clock, control tempo, and, and see what happens. And uh, I, I, play assignment defense. Stay home and, and do what you're supposed to do. And Hopefully something turns out about it, but yeah, East St. Louis is definitely another level. I can't believe that they're ranked number three in the state of Illinois, because quite honestly, you'd think they'd be number one again, but you got Loyola Academy and Mount Carmel ahead of them. So yeah. And both those two teams are in state. Well, I was just going to say, you look at the seven, a bracket, you have Chicago, Mount Carmel, 13 and oh, going up against Batavia sitting at 10 and three. That'll be the matchup at four o'clock on Saturday. Once we get into seven and eight, a, I don't have a whole lot to say. So if anybody, if, any, if anybody knows anything, uh, speak Mount, up. Mark, Mount Carmel coached by NIU legend, Jordan Lynch. Um, oh, that's right. There you go. Yeah. So this will be their 19th championship game. They've got 13 titles. Um, Batavia has two. So this is another game where there's 15 combined state titles, but uh, yeah, Mount Carmel beat Loyola Academy in week nine, um, and they haven't been stopped. So I, I like Mount Carmel in this one to get uh, to get title number 14. We should mention that Batavia beat out Yorkville in the quarterfinals 17 to six. And that was the team that knocked out Moline in the semi in the second round in that 34 31. Was it four overtime game? So that wasn't York. That was, um, no Yorkville. Yeah. Yorkville. Yorkville. Yeah. Yorkville. There's Yorkville and there's York. Yeah. Yeah. So Batavia beat Yorkville 17. Gotcha. Okay. I got yep. you. I got you. Yep. So, so there you go. One last bracket to cover Lincoln way East 13 and oh, going up against Loyola Academy at 12 and one. Was it Loyola Academy that took out uh, United township back in week two? Yeah. After, yeah. after playing a team out here in Cincinnati. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah I, I like Loyola Academy here, um, not knowing anything about either one of these teams. So give me the Ramblers. Yeah. I want to say Lincoln Way East. I saw a highlight. They had a fourth and one, or maybe it was a, maybe it was fourth and one. I don't know. Either way, they were on their one yard line and they went for it and it was a 99 yard touchdown. So <laughs> it was Wait. a, they went for it on fourth and one from their. Own I don't know limit. if it was a. I don't know if it was fourth and one. I as okay. I say that, I was trying to remember what <laughs> they did, but either way, it was a. It was a one. It was a QB sneak or a you know, and they busted off for a ninety-nine yard touchdown. Yeah, they played. They played in the snow in the semifinals. It's, they're pretty cool uh, pictures from that game. I don't remember who they played, but it was a pretty cool uh, environment. Yep. Cool. All right, so that wraps it up. Chuck, any uh, any final thoughts here? I just looking forward to the weekend. Just looking forward to yeah. state football. State football championships are always a great weekend, um, a culmination of what we've been talking about for 
for months now. Yep. And uh, hoping hoping we get eight great games. We'll see. Yeah, exactly. Kyle, final thoughts. Yeah, I'm 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 in the same boat as Chuck. I mean, I'm definitely excited. I I'm ready to get to Champagne. Um, I'm gonna be there for all four of the first games on Friday. So, um, really, really interested to see how one A goes. Obviously, for the fact of Lena Winslow, um, they're they're on pace to set some more history milestones if they can come away with the win, uh, both for the state for the conference and of course the school itself. So um interested to see that. Um obviously two A St. Teresa, you know, Mark Ramsey, this is what his sixth trip to state now. He's only had one state title. Seventh trip. Seventh trip. So it'd be cool to see him finally break through because the last time he won one was back in nineteen ninety seven when he was at Central A and M. Um 3A, obviously, IC Catholic, always fun to watch. Interested to see how Coach Coons can battle that. I, I want to see that. I want to see Jake Seaman. Obviously, we've talked about him a couple different times this year. And then 4A, I mean, seeing legendary programs like Pravi and SHG go up against each other. It's it, Even though it's 4A and it should be 6A, it's still interesting to see those two meet up. So, yep. um, really yep. excited for it. And Mitch, it's a good uniform matchup too. So it's a great uniform matchup. Yeah. Um, yeah. Me again, looking forward to, you know, echoing the, the comments by you guys looking forward to the weekend. Obviously our, our focus is going to be in that first game. So uh, it'll be, it'll be great. Another weekend that we're talking about a state championship. You can't beat that. So um, I'll, I will, I will close my comments on the night by, by saying thank you to, to Shuck on your guys' great coverage all year. Uh, fun to, fun to follow along with you guys. Um, and obviously with, with Kyle as well, you've joined us on the show just about every week here, especially in the playoffs with, yeah. with Lee, Lee win and, and everyone else's run. So just kudos to both of you guys for, for the job that you guys did all season. Uh, it's fun to, to work with you in quotes, uh, or, or just to, to be together in this, cause this is a lot of fun and, and you guys enjoy it too. So, uh, kudos to you guys on, on a great year to, uh, to Kyle and to Shuck to whoever wins the class one, a state championship camp point central or Lena Winslow. One of you will be uh, invited back to talk about the winning team. So we'll just, we'll wait. The other will be shunned until next year. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and hey, tell, uh, tell, tell uh, D.O.B. that I hope he enjoys the, the talk about the NICU nine, as he called it. <laughs> and he calls it that every single time. Yeah. Do you catch that, oh. Kyle? Yeah. Uh, Don O'Brien's got a little dig and I, you know, I, I didn't think you'd appreciate it. So the NICU nine, huh? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he doesn't know. It's okay. You know, we forgive That's the ones right. who don't know. He's from That's Galesburg. Right. What do you expect? <laughs> <laughs> and Hey, he would have been on the pod, but he's busy watching soccer. Right. So yeah. Yeah. Well, and, and now it's basketball season. So he's watching his kid play. <laughs> well, all right, all priorities. these priorities. Is it is it is it Quincy really good? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Quincy, Quincy got a chance to be really good in basketball. Okay, yeah. maybe that's an off season pod. We, oh, we need, you know, we, we need oh we need like a Quincy Moline like whenever they play because that'll be a that'll be a barn. Um, and it's right off the bat. It's it's early. It's oh really? Yeah, and it's uh, and it's at Wharton. So oh <laughs> man, here oh, we go. Oh. <laughs> 
Uh, that sounds like a future podcast and off season podcast here. So, <laughs> all right. Well, thank you to all of you for being here. Thank you to everyone who listens and Mitch, we, we also have some uniform talk out there. So the, the I encourage everyone to go out, find us either on YouTube or just listen to the audio, but obviously it's a uniform podcast. So we're going to be showing some pictures oh, yeah, of we'll uniforms. Have, yeah, we got, we got pictures. They're ready to go. So you got to listen, you got to watch it on YouTube. So that's the UniView state championship preview where we break down every matchup strictly based on the most important factor of the game. And that's what they look like, the uniforms and the helmets. Right. So that's also available. But um, yeah, Mitch, we'll be back. We'll be talking about, uh, you know, the recaps of the season and the recaps of the state championship games a week from now. But thank you to you guys for joining us. And uh, to everyone, we will talk soon. That'll do it for this week's episode of View from the West. Thank you so much for listening. I encourage you to go out to Apple Podcasts or Podbean and subscribe so you can follow along and downloads will come automatically every week. You can follow along on Twitter at ViewFromWestPod. You can also email me if you're interested in being a sponsor, ViewFromWestPod at gmail.com. Thanks so much. We'll see you next week.